He was a, more of a, a liberal theological persuader. Did not really believe the Bible uh, was the word of God. Had a lot of doubts, a lot of things. He was very, you know, educated. That was his background. And so we were talking about it. And so finally I said to him, I said, okay, you know, as we went back and forth and talked, I said, Dave, let me ask you something. Why do you even use the Bible in your campus ministry to your students? Why even do it if, it if you don't believe it? He goes, well, it's not that I totally don't believe it. He goes, I cannot account for Saul of Tarsus. I know that something happened. I don't know what, but I can't account for Saul of Tarsus. The man who would become the Apostle Paul. And he has been an enigma to doubters for 2,000 years. But not only him, all of the other early Christians that had everything to lose and yet boldly stepped forward. They could not account for that. Why? Why would someone totally, radically change their life at their own peril? This is not changing your life in order to be more acceptable, more, you know, um, uh, viable for work, things like this. This was changing your life to be at peril that could probably cost you your life. And he could not account for why Saul of Tarsus would do that. He goes, I know something happened. Something not of this world. Something had to happen. You know, that's really been the story for anybody that's experienced Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Something happened. And this was prophesied about 700 years before he came in this world. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. <clears throat> familiar prophecy that's uh, talked about this time of year. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That scripture is talked about every year, sometimes throughout the year. But you know, there's a big difference between talking about it and having a nice, sweet idea and really experiencing what that scripture is talking about. Saul of Tarsus experienced that child that was given unto him. Every Christian has experienced that child who was given unto them. Incredible prophecy. Didn't matter who you were, what your background, what your nationality, what anything. None of that matters in God's eyes because unto you individually a child was given. Unto you a Savior came. Regardless of anything in your past, regardless... He's here for you. And when you experience him, there are at least four experiences you will go through. You will experience a wonderful counselor. You will not experience someone who is aloof and removed from you, your situation, your struggles, your doubts, your fears. 
But he is a wonderful counselor. In Hebrews, it said that Jesus had to be tempted like us in every way so that he would be a perfect high priest. Now, I want you to think about that. When you're going through a hard time, who do you go to? Somebody that hasn't been through that hard time? Somebody that can tell you certain truths? Well, think happy thoughts or do, you know, fine. Maybe that might work. But who you look for is somebody that's been through it. Somebody that understands the doubt, the fear, the anxiety, and yet they overcome. It's like, hey, I want to talk to you. How did you do it? See, Saul of Tarsus experienced someone that was a wonderful counselor. And we've experienced that wonderful counselor. It says he's mighty God. Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that has changed our hearts. People try and get better. They try and do different things. But it's the heart of men and women that determines ultimately the outcome of their life and their behavior. And they can't change their own heart. They're filled with jealousy. They're filled with competition. They're filled with racism. They're filled with pride. They're filled with all this. And it's like, let me just try and be nice to people. But it becomes a smile on top of warfare and stuff that's going on. And what he came to do is mighty God. Change the human heart. Cause the human heart to be different. And that takes power. That's power that's experienced. He is everlasting father. Literally, that means father of eternity. He lasts forever. He gives us a perspective that it doesn't matter. I can go through a challenging time now, but I know what the end of the story is, and I know that there is no end to the joy and the contentment that's there. I understand because of that perspective that what I'm going through now is part of the transformation of my character. Part of the making solid that which is not solid. I understand that though the world may be fallen and people can choose to do things against me, sinful things, that you know what? I don't have to live the same way. Not because I'm better than, but because the one who is the father of eternity has me living in an eternal perspective. I know that this will pass soon and things will be better. Gives me the perspective I need. And then lastly, Prince of Peace. It's interesting. You know, we we hear a lot of times this time of year, peace on earth. And I know that was the original prophecy. But that was not political peace. Politics, as we well know, can gain no peace. Just enmity and animosity. Anyhow, great social experience is Sometimes read up a history of utopian societies. It's amazing their short shelf life. They decide, let's all get together and treat each other equal and all that. Within a few years, everything just started coming apart of the same. You know why? You cannot have peace on this earth. You can't have peace between people or countries or anything unless there first is peace within the individual. Right. If I am at war with myself, if I feel bad about myself, if I'm insecure and all that, guess what? I'm not going to be at peace with you. Now I've got to compare myself to you and somehow feel better to justify my own insecurity. Well, that does not draw me close to you. You become an object of my need to use. 
and then things get worse and worse. He's the Prince of Peace. He said, in me, you will have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Someone once said that Jesus promised his disciples three things. Unending love, unbounding joy, and that they would always be in trouble. <laughs> really? And you look at the historical record, that's a fact, Jack, isn't it? Yes. Always in trouble. So how did they do it? Because something happened. The Prince of Peace gave them peace with them. So it didn't matter what anyone did to them. Didn't matter if, if their own worldly dreams didn't come. None of that really mattered. Because on the inside, they experienced God's shalom through this child that was given unto them. So as we're reflecting, you know, this is the communion time when we reflect on the death, the burial, the resurrection of that child that grew into manhood in human form, was raised from the dead, and has gone back to sit at the right hand of God and is always interceding for us. But as we're doing that, remember this. He came in this world as a child, grew up, experienced everything that we go through so that he would be the perfect savior of us. Teach us how to live and how to be the people we were created to be. Let's think about this as we take the bread that reminds us of his body given on the cross and take the fruit of the vine that reminds us of the blood that was poured out, that our sins would be forgiven, and we could come back to God because of this child that was given unto us. Yeah. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for just you. Thank you for that precious child that became a man in the flesh. There was you in the flesh. And the fact that he did experience all the temptations so that he would be perfect to help us uh, become the people you create us to be. Thank you that we have direction in this life because of him. Thank you that even in our imperfections, even in our sins, we can find forgiveness and grace to help in our time of need. Thank you that all this comes because that child grew up he wrestled in a garden and decided to do your will and not his. And we remember that body on the cross. We remember that blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And I pray, Father, you will move in every heart in this auditorium that we would really desire to be the people you created us to be. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
time we will take up our contribution. Um, following this contribution, uh, Wayne, if you would join me up here, or I don't know if both you and Anita want to make that announcement, so you guys can come up. And then I'm going to have a special guest announcer, but I'll tell you who that is in just a second. So let us pray for the contribution. <coughs> By the way, uh, two contributions, one pot. Uh, anything you put in the envelope will go to Hope Worldwide. That's our contribution for the poor. Whatever is given in excess to what we pledge to Hope Worldwide goes to benevolence. Uh, everything else that goes directly into the pot goes to the general operating expenses of the church. Okay? Let's pray. Father, uh, again, we're just grateful for this time to give more than anything else. I pray that these funds will be used to honor you to bring glory to your name, to help people come to know you, and to help people that are less fortunate going through really intense times. Please, God, use this to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, you can raise your hand if you want. Uh, if you need an envelope here. All right. Um, and now I have a very uh, uh, special guest announcer that's going to come up. 